Hello, hello. Welcome to the Making a Marketer podcast, the marketing show for all levels of experience with the best guests in the industry. Get ready to learn and laugh. Here we go with your hosts, Megan Powers with Powers of Marketing and Jen Cole with Social Media Examiner. Hello, hello. This is episode 59 of the Making a Marketer podcast. It's bonus season. So normally we take July off, but I wanted to use this time to amplify some special people and to have some conversations, which will be a little hard. I have another podcast that I recorded a show like this already and me trying to find my words about the whole Black Lives Matter situation is a little awkward. There's some ums, but you know, it's from the heart and it's real talk. So I wanted to talk today with Gary Ware about transforming culture. And we're not going to solve all the problems of the world today, of course, but it's a start. So, and I'll get more into that, why we're here, why we're doing this. But first, his bio. Gary Ware is a creative catalyst and workshop facilitator for Breakthrough Play, his company. He's also a digital media specialist. So Gary Ware, the founder of Breakthrough Play, is a sought-after corporate facilitator and keynote speaker with nearly a decade of experience as a performer in improv theater. He assists teams with unlocking creativity, confidence, and sparks collaboration with experiential methods proven to drive peak performance. Gary spent over a decade in the corporate role and originally pursued improv to master public speaking. He quickly discovered that combining improv and play could be a powerful solution to achieve various business challenges. Of course, if you're interested in an experiential team-building workshop for your team, reach out to him. He'll share his info. It can be done online, y'all. So <laughs> we're in that space and it's all good. And while he doesn't work in marketing as a primary function of his job, he is a pro and I have worked with him and it's always been a delight. And so I thought it was the perfect person to have on this special episode to amplify a voice that I think everyone should hear. And I'm going to do some more shows this month, but I want to say to upfront that not every show will be talking about the issue itself. But moving forward, what I've realized is that I haven't had a very diverse pool of people that I've had on this podcast. And it wasn't at the exclusion of Black people, of any people of color. It was just based on whatever, on the topic, on the who I knew. So what I realized is I need to do better. So I will be seeking out people of color, trying to amplify black voices, because I should. And I can only do so much. And this is a platform I have. This is a space that I have that I'm in, you know, just sort of realizing how ignorant, really, I have been in terms of just not understanding what black people go through, what they have gone through their whole lives, what they go through every day, and all of the, the systemic issues at hand. And so we're in this seismic shift I think right now of a culture change, which is obviously long, long, long overdue. But yeah, so I, I just wanted to share that, that I, I realized that I can do better and um, that's my intention moving forward. And while I know I am not racist, I am finding that I need to be anti-racist, actively having conversations with people and, and talking to those things that they may be saying that I'm not comfortable with. Whereas before I you know, would have maybe held back but I also think it speaks, and we'll probably talk about this, to the whole us just feeling awkward about talking about racism at all. Like, if we talk about it, then that, that means it's a thing, maybe, and that might think, seem like that's something that we, you know. So I think that's, for me, this has just been lovely to open up the conversation, open up the dialogue. 
I might make mistakes, but I'm willing to try. And if I make a mistake, I make a mistake and, you know, we move forward. And yeah. So Gary, tell me, yes, what are your thoughts? What are your experiences as of late? What is anything you want to share in terms of everything that's going on and kind of how you feel? Wow. Oh my gosh. A lot. Um, I know it's a loaded question. <laughs> where do we begin? Uh, questions are going to be hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the answers are not easy. Yeah. It's a bit overwhelming. Let's be honest. In light of everything that is happening with all the civil unrest, with us as a nation, as a world, sort of like waking up and realizing, oh, wow. Yeah, we should be anti-racist. We should have done it a long time ago. And being a black man, being a father, being a business owner, it's a lot. It's a lot to take in. And I personally had to like sort of call time out and, and sort of step back from like all the stuff that was happening in the media because for me, it does bring up a lot of, I wouldn't necessarily say trauma, but it's just imagine, you know, You've had, you know, things that happen, you know, that you've gotten over. And then all of a sudden now it's magnified times a hundred over and over again, like every day as a teaching tool for other people. Like imagine like how that sort of weighs on you. And yeah, so I had to like sort of do some self-care for myself. But I, you know, being one of those people that are, that is an extreme optimist, like I do feel hope that maybe this time we can start to like start to like break down and strip out like some of the systemic racism that is in industries and systems everywhere to start to like do what we need to do. So right. I'll put it at that. Okay. Yeah. What? Well, one podcast at a time, if that's what it takes. That's what it takes. Yeah. I have heard, and I, I, I tried to not do this. I, what I did at the beginning of all this, right after um, George Floyd was murdered and, and things started to really unfold, I just texted my black friends and said, are you okay? Or how are you doing? I didn't, I wasn't about to, I hear that, you know, everyone was seeking advice. And I was like, whoa, like that would be a lot. It's already a lot. But then you add on top of that, someone trying to get you to solve their issue with it is like even right. That's huge. So, yeah. well, it's one of those things like uh, just to put it out there, we're all learning. And, right. you know, you had mentioned like, Hey, we're going to make mistakes and we're going to get better. And so like, I can laugh at it now. And I joke around like, yeah, when you're a lot of people's only black friend, stuff like this happens like they like hey gary what's going on so like yeah there was a string of like text messages and stuff where it's like hey gary how are you doing are you okay everything good and then as people were learning i got another string of text messages saying oh my gosh i am so sorry you know don't feel like you need to message this and then i got another string of messages saying you know what i am silencing your voice if you want to message me that's completely fine <laughs> and, and it was just like one of those things where because like I have a genuine, authentic relationship with these people and it wasn't like the only time that we've connected, like I'm like, hey, look, it's all good. But it is a bit overwhelming. And, you know, yes, we are we are amplifying black voices and you know, there's a lot of talk about performative of like, yeah, when the media starts covering this, is that gonna be sort of gone? And so that is, you know, the question of how can we make it so it's the norm? And like what you said at the top was that, you know, you don't consider yourself racist. And there are sort of norms and things that have been put in place that, you know, we have these biases, we have these behaviors that cause us to potentially overlook uh, black people, people of color. And we got to start to first have awareness and then uh, awareness is not enough. Like, what are the actions in place? And forgive me for not knowing who quoted this. 
but it was basically saying that when you have an imbalanced system, fairness is not going to rebalance the system. You have to have unfairness in the opposite direction to start to get things back on par. So, you know, I feel like it's a start. We're making right. progress. Right. Got to start somewhere. And, yeah. you know, if not now, when? I think the thing... Okay, so, and on that front, this kind of goes to my, you know, there's no end date. I have, you know, for myself, I'm putting little things in place, and I know they're little, but my Tuesday, turn up Tuesday, and thankful Thursday, I'm just using that opportunity to highlight someone that I think everyone should know, who is Black, and trying to, originally, I'm writing the posts at People of Color, but after I had a conversation with some Black friends on, on another podcast, it was pointed out to me that that waters it down. What's going on right now is water down by using the term people of color. While people of all color, you know, everyone has experiencing some level of racism. Everyone who's not white, let's just say that. This moment right now, this movement is about black people. So yeah, so that's like my, I'm learning and I'm learning to capitalize the word black. I'm learning um, all of these things. So in terms of there being no end date, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? And like, what would you like to see other than people not being murdered? <laughs> Yes. At, at the hands of, of anyone, let alone police. You know, have you had any thoughts about like, kind of what? Yeah. Um, what you, you know, being a, a father to a three-year-old who happens to be mixed race, I want to see, first and foremost, like more sort of diverse representation across the board. How can we start to make that happen, you know, in the media, on TV? Because... You know, I want my son to, you know, say, oh, that person looks like me. Oh, that person looks like my dad. That person looks like my grandpa, my my aunties. And start to have an understanding like, oh, that is a, that's a good thing. So that's the first thing, you know. We're starting to make strides in that. But the other thing is, how can we make it so, and it's going to have, you know, we have to have this sort of conscious sort of effort to, you know, what are those like sort of triggers? What are those, what's that stigma you know, lack of a better word, like, you know, sort of white people have like when black people are in a situation that, you know, feel scared or feel uncomfortable so that we can have an equal playing field. Like, for example, I read a stat that said you can have a black man and a white man. They can be about the same stature, but unconsciously when put in front of white people, the black man is going to look bigger, appear bigger. Oh, interesting. And so there's a lot of, again, <laughs> we're trying to do Hundreds of years, you know, undo hundreds, hundreds of years. Like it's going to take some time, but all of that stuff has just been unconsciously passed down generation after generation after generation. You're right. It's not going to happen <laughs> overnight and it is an ongoing effort. So what are the actions that we need to do? I know a lot of my, you know, white friends are starting by saying, yeah, you know, I, I'm starting to have like a conscious look through my film selection, the things that I purchase. You know, am I, you know, do I purchase from black owned businesses? Do I even consider that? Is that even in my, in my repertoire? All right. If not, you know, let's do it. And you're right. You shouldn't go to your black friends when you could go to Google. Google has anything and everything. Again, as a marketer, like I know this. So yeah. So like, let's start to make choices where we, and like you said, I, I love that you mentioned this. Yes. Right now we are highlighting and we're focusing on the black community. There are lots of underrepresented cultures and, and communities out there that we need to talk about and we will continue to you know address those right now we're we happen to be focusing on the black community and but while you're at it yeah start to look around and like you know do you have a diverse you know sort of friend set and if not you know what can you do about it 
you know, how can you maybe start to open up your circle so that you invite that into your, like, into your, like, circle of consciousness? Um, quick story. A friend of mine was thinking about, like, what neighborhood did they want to live in? And in their mind, they had this perfect sort of dream, like, sort of neighborhood. And in light of everything that's going on, they're rethinking all of those things. And they looked at it and they said, you know what? That neighborhood is, like, 95% white. I want to, you know, have my child experience... Because again, you know, you can tell your kids anything, but your kids do what you do, not what you say. Mm -hmm. So if you're not sort of interacting with black people, people of color, how can you expect your kids to know how to behave in those situations? And so when they looked at their current environment, though it wasn't perfect, their current neighborhood, it had a rich diversity uh, of people. And they've lived there for like the last like 10 years and they feel completely safe. And, you know, and so it made them rethink, oh, maybe these choices again, wasn't their choice. It was the choice that was sort of put in front of them by like what is accepted. So that's what I hope to see, you know, is we're starting to make some choices, some conscious choices that are getting more people at the table. Yeah. Well, I, um, I went to elementary school. I went to a private Catholic school for seven years and it was like the United Nations. I mean, there was really, and my best friend was black and I, and I didn't even think, you know, that's the thing about kids, right? Like, they don't know. They just have friends. They just, you know, so I never, I had two black kids in my class. And then there were, you know, Hindu and, you know, like the whole, ran the gamut, which is super random, right? And Palestinian in a Catholic school, but whatever. They're there for the education, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, it wasn't until I got into college and was taking a Chicano history class where I started to learn, like, oh, how is I sheltered from all of this? And now looking back, there were subtle racist things that I heard from people growing up, but I never really thought about it. And so I think what this does too I is hopefully for young people who already kind of knew like people are just people to have this conversation, to have it, to bring it to the forefront, to be real about the fact that there are injustices and things are are not balanced. And so I think that's important. And as you say, like your son, like there are so many mixed race humans walking this earth and they probably experience a, a different kind of racism. And that's a whole other conversation, right? Like yeah. my, I have a friend, she just kind of admitted that she's been passing. She's half black and she really, she doesn't look at it at all. And so she's now struggling with or coming to terms with and being really open about the fact that, you know, that she's half black and to be proud of that and to be, you know, so there's so many levels of all that, um, that going on. Um, my friend Elizabeth, um, I was just going to show this real quick. She said she started to see BIPOC last year and I didn't understand it. Same as I had to Google it. Guess what? I Googled it. I didn't ask, a, I didn't ask a black person, but that's an interesting one. Like, right. So distinguishing black, distinguishing indigenous, and then everybody else who's not white, I guess. Is that yeah. kind of how that <laughs> place? Yeah, yeah, people of color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, but yeah, to call out each of them. And it's one of these things is, you know, you do what you can until you uh, learn more. And then when you learn more, you do better. And right. that's like how all of these things are. Like we're learning more. People are feeling comfortable sort of calling things out. And that's what it's all about. Like instead of, you know, this level of guilt, like, oh my gosh, I should be doing better. Well, now, here, here's the chance. Right. <laughs> now that we know more, you know, what are the steps? What are we going to do better? And like I said, I feel like we are, compared to other times when, you know, we've seen a lot of injustices, especially around, you know, the Black community, 
in the media, like I feel like there's been a lot in the last few weeks that's showing that like, wow, we're, we're making some strides, you know, and like you said at the beginning, this is like an ongoing thing. <laughs> we, right. we cannot, we cannot stop like once this, because it's not a fad. This, this is like something that, you know, now that we have this awareness of like what's going on and, and people are becoming educated about the history, especially here in America of what's going on, how can we start to you know make things right? And it's so like, like, I'm just so proud of like all the things that you hear, like, you know, on social media and the news, like, and in this, again, some examples, like what, what are you seeing? Yeah. What? So, and this is just talk about like all sort of racial injustices, people just not standing for it. Like one of the most recent ones that I remember seeing, it was a Chinese family. They were celebrating their birthday in the Bay Area. And this gentleman was just saying these racial slurs and stuff like that. And, you know, they sort of called him out. And and again, I feel like the real hero of 2020 is the cell phone with the camera because they started recording him. And the other cool thing is to see the person who worked at this establishment, come in and defend them, kick him out. Like that was just like amazing. Yes. And on top of that, another good thing for social media, people found out who this person was and like called him out. Like this is who he is. He's the CEO of this company. Again, like this stuff isn't, you know, isn't tolerated. And right. and I and I love that. And, you know, there was another thing recently where there was uh, a gentleman, like I don't know the full story, so for, forgive me for sort of paraphrasing, but right. I believe he had like um, a food cart of some sort and the establishment basically said that, oh, this is bringing down like the look of our sort of establishment and they wanted him to go away. And, you know, people were like, no, that's, that's uncalled for. And the people that stepped up to support this, this person in his business is amazing. And like, again, I feel like people are feeling more empowered to speak out when they see this, whereas in recent past, it might have been seen, but it's just sort of that, like you said, the people that they know it's not right, but they don't feel like they can do anything and they're just silent and complicit. Right. Yeah. Silence is complicitness. That's a tough one to swallow as someone who I, I don't feel like I've ever like been in a situation where there was just like out like anything like that, that I just that I just stayed quiet about because I definitely would I would have been out of my chair like trying to box the guy myself um if i saw that but uh but yeah and i saw a couple of, of white actresses who have relinquished their roles as uh, black characters in the animated movies which is amazing i mean yeah duh uh, yeah that whole Again. hollywood hollywood's its old other that's a whole yeah. animal but, but uh, yeah all these things that, and you're right it's, you know what they say how to eat an elephant you know one bite at a time right. so it's you know, it's it's starting to have this awareness, starting to like have language too. Like what I love seeing on social media, and like yes, keep it coming, keep it going. And this goes into like some of the stuff that I do now, as far as facilitation, is that I feel like a lot of people are silent because they don't know what to say. They don't want to mess it up, and because they've never had to deal with an uncomfortable situation. You know, maybe there's a family member that you know, said something uh, racist or, you know, made a joke or comment. And up until now, it's been tolerated. And then you have this new understanding and then you feel uncomfortable. You know, you don't know what to do. Most people want to avoid confrontation. And so to have all of these resources 
where people give you languages, you know, uh, ways to address people in different sort of flavors. It's like, all right, you could be straight up, hey, that's racist. Or, hey, what did you mean by that? You know, things like that to start a dialogue because this is a thing that has been tolerated for such a long time that, you know, some people, you know, again, I do not, you know, support such, you know, behavior. However, some people like don't know because it's been like sort of tolerated. So now, you know, you're now we're bringing light to this. And so, yeah, we need to have a discussion. And so whatever you're comfortable about doing, now there's resources so that you can, and I advise all of you is, like, don't just read it and like, all right, I know, like, say it out loud, you know, start practicing it. Because when it's like high stakes, you want to, you know, feel like, all right, I can, I know I'm going to make some mistakes, but at least I've, I've practiced this a few times. Right. Yeah. Like I fumbled a whole lot less with you today than I did on the first podcast that I did. <laughs> I was doing a dance. For those of you yeah. listening to the audio podcast, you could not appreciate <laughs> Gary to still dance for us. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that there's understanding the distinction. Some people might not agree politically with the Black Lives Matter organization, but the Black Lives Matter movement for me is separate from anything that any individuals might be doing or not doing or whatever. Like I'm I'm trying not trying to pay attention to that so much as I am to the words because the words are, you know, were real and true and yeah, so um, we don't need to get on that, but I want to talk about marketing a little bit. In terms of all of this, how can non-Black marketers help to amplify Black voices? Yeah. So first and foremost, why are you doing this? I know it's a good human thing. Like, like, you should be doing this, Yeah. but you should be asking yourself a real reason. Am I being performative? And if you don't know what that means, it's like, I see everyone else putting the Black square and put, I stand in solidarity. Um, great. And what are you doing when other people are not watching? And so, you know, for marketers out there, who are you being inspired by? You know, who are the people that are, you know, advising you? You know, if, if it's all the same sort of color, well, maybe you can start there. Maybe you can have other people, not, you know, yes, black people, but other people as well, you know, bring them in. And I saw so many posts recently, and it's unfortunate that it's like this, but I'm glad that it's being called out, is that people are like, yes, we want to amplify Black voices. All right, cool. Black photographer, why don't you take pictures of this, this, and this? I don't really have budget for you. So this is the other thing is, yes, if you're going to support Black people, one, pay them. Like, they should be paid, and they should be paid well. Mm -hmm. um, so, that you know, that's the other thing. You know, look at, you know, where are you getting your inspiration from? How can you, you know, on the marketing side, how can you, you know, maybe you were, you know, used to working with a videographer that is white, you know, do you happen to know any black videographer? And I'm not saying that like, all right, all work needs black people. No. How can you start to like bring that in so that you're considering that? Because, you know, I hate hearing this of like the, the sort of excuse like, well, we want good talent. No one said that you shouldn't have good talent. I'm They're not mutually exclusive. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I, you, you know, just because you're hiring a black person doesn't mean that they're not talented. I know tons and tons of talented black people. You know, this is not like one like, hey, we got a black person just to have a black person. It's like, no, what are you doing to bring those in? Uh, case in point, I was facilitating some conversations around race uh, with a number of agencies um, because I sort of had that tie because I, I've been in marketing. I've worked at an agency. Now I do this facilitation work. So a number of my agency friends brought me in 
to uh, facilitate this conversation. And one of the teams that I was working with, they were talking about that as far as their talent pool in that they saw a stat, there's a small percentage of black people in tech as far as like design uh, developers and whatnot, but yet there were a high percentage of black people that graduated with that. And so they were like, hey, you know, yes, we want to get someone that's a good culture fit because that's the last thing you want is just to hire someone just because of the color of their skin, just to check off a box. And then it's not a good culture fit. Yes, you want to find someone that's going to, you know, fit. Yes, they have, you know, happen to be black, all those things. Like, yes, you want to look for that. But they realized within their own things is they need to broaden their horizons. They need to, you know, they weren't looking in places where there were black developers. And so, again, it seems saying that out loud, oh, it seems obvious. But again, a lot of these things, these are our unconscious decisions that we're that we're going through. So also, if you are, you know, on behalf of, you know, if you're in the agency world on behalf of your clients, uh, when you're thinking about the people that, you know, your clients are trying to reach and, and whatnot, like, yeah, how can you authentically, you know, sort of portray, you know, black people using the product? It shouldn't be like, a, oh, we got a black person, you know, we got... So and from LGBT, it shouldn't, again, be a checklist, but how can you have these conversations? How can you, and it starts by bringing the people, the black people to weigh in on this, because I know there's been so many brands that sort of screwed this up where they're like, oh yeah, we want to, we want to feature like black people. And then there was no black person even deciding what this is. And then it gets put out into the wild and it's very offensive. Right. Yeah, actually on that, in terms of speakers, there, I mean, there, obviously there need to be more black people on stages. There need to be more black people at the table in general, in C-suite, all that kind of stuff. Part of the issue, I think, is that organizations that put on conferences aren't getting enough pressure up front to diversify. But there's a lot of complaining that happens, you know, once they see the schedule or... So I don't know. And, and there, you know, recently I saw someone comment, this isn't a very diverse panel. And it was a, a panel of eight people, four are people of color. Two of them are black, one's Asian, and one um, is, I'm not sure. Anyway, first of all, what to you is a reasonable balance that you want to see? I mean, obviously needing to, them to be qualified to speak, but then what, and what do you think, what are your suggestions if you, if you have any for us as attendees? encouraging these organizations putting on these conferences to have more more black people speaking yeah to be honest i don't know what the the number is i think at the end of the day they should be qualified and this is where i turn it over to uh speakers you know people that are you know maybe getting considered for these a really good friend of mine her name is kathy clotes guest she is a big advocate for the black community and and just having diversity in the speaking world in general not just you know black people but women as well, because it's the same yeah. like white dudes in, in polo shirt, you know, speaking on these page, stages, um, and it's you know it's not fresh. And so, uh, you know, if, if you are a white you know presenter and you get asked to do this, and you look at the panel, you know, maybe you consider giving your spot up to someone of color. You know, it's something that you potentially could do and say, hey, you know what? I feel like there needs to be a diverse you know speaker list. I'm more than happy to give up my spot, and I know X, Y, and Z. You know, that will happily take it. You know, again, talk about amplifying, you know, black voices or, you know, just sort of calling it out. And then for people that are going to these, you're right. How about you start, you know, demanding, hey, you know, we need a diverse speaker set and, you know, start to vote with your wallet. And you know, that's a really good point by Elizabeth down there. 
Yeah. So, well, first she said, isn't a culture ad better than a culture fit? That's and a really yeah. good point. Yeah. Yeah. And then the thing with conferences is our expectation is that speakers represent who's in the room, but we should be, they should be representing who's not in the room. And I've said this before, because there has been, as of late, you know, trying to be an emphasis on, on getting, like you say, getting more women on stages and, and, and at the table, because obviously there's an issue with that as well. I was sitting in this room at this meeting um, conference. It was a, a meeting for meeting professionals. I'm very meta. And I looked around and I was like, there's one man in the room. Like the men are the ones who should be in here hearing about all of the things that are going on. Like we were, we're sitting in there preaching to the choir so yeah, exactly right, Elizabeth. Thank you. She's awesome. She's a rock star. Yeah. She used to be a co-host um, and she's got this new new company called Event Integrity. And so this is going to definitely be something I think that is, it gets into uh, consideration with as she moves forward with this new company. So the next thing I had to talk about, which maybe kind of we've already covered, but conversation about how can brands, companies continue to keep the conversation going. I think we've already kind of tapped into that a little bit. I think probably one of the biggest things is us as allies speaking up and asking other people, can you introduce me? Like, so Kendra Losey is on, is going to be on this um, next week. Her show on cannabis marketing that we did in November of 18 has the second most downloads uh, making a marketer. So I was like, we got to do another cannabis show. But also I said, do you have any black friends in the cannabis industry? And she said, yeah, absolutely. So she's introducing me to someone. So that's kind of the thing, right? Like you were saying, like, with photographers and whoever, like just ask people who they know, who they would recommend. It's yeah. pretty simple. I mean, if you boil it down to that, obviously it's not simple. <laughs> yeah, but, exactly. Yeah. There's a lot of like stigma and stuff that we have to like sort of overcome, you know, a lot of guilt and, you know, yes, take all that aside. It is simple. <laughs> you know, no better, do better. Right. Exactly. Wait, Elizabeth said the last time I saw Gary, we were speaking together. You know each other? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, we It was a long time ago. I forgot what event it was, but it was at a Marriott or a Hilton or something like that. Was yeah, it when yeah. she lived here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, awesome. Yeah, Way she back to, in the day. She co-hosted this show for two years. So, yeah. And I know her from working in the, in the meetings and events industry. So that's amazing. All right. So talk a little bit about your new, this new organization that you're heading up and I attended the first, the kickoff, but I didn't really know what I was attending or what it was about. I just knew that I want to learn more. Right. So I was like, Oh, that sounds like a good opportunity to learn more about what's going on, but it's a more about in like the HR space. Right. Yeah. Talk about, and, and I, yeah, just tell us all about it. Yeah. Yeah. What events was it that you went it, to? It was the culture shift. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. That, I was trying to remember the name of it. And yeah, that doesn't surprise me because you're doing a lot that you wouldn't remember exactly. But it was like a Thursday, 4.30 yeah. to 6.30 yeah, yeah, yeah. Thursdays yeah, yeah, ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was, yeah. Oh my gosh, that's a long time ago. So yeah, yeah. With, with Culture First. So that is something with the company Culture Amp. And so it's interesting. So, you know, as you mentioned, Megan, I came from a marketing background. Right. And I had always had a love for team culture, building, you know, high-performing teams, you know, creating a space where you bring a lot of joy and bring your authentic self to work. That was always like my, my end thing. And it all happened from like way early in my career where I had a crappy boss and I worked my butt off and that boss sucks so bad. Um, this boss took credit for everything for the team and it just made me not even want to work there. Then when I became a boss, I always vowed, you know what? I will become the best boss possible. Like, you know, 
I'm not going to necessarily be like sort of like a pushover. I want to be someone that is going to like be a true leader. And when that time came, I knew nothing about leadership. I mean, like I was good at what I did. And naturally, like, I feel like, especially in marketing the agency world, oh, you're really good at that? All right, here, here's some people, lead them. And I was in over my head with that and started learning everything. And that's where I, how I got into improvisation as a way to become a better public speaker. And so all of this was always in service of the teams that I managed. I did this on the side and I, you know, I led little groups for free. I did stuff with the ad club and I was sort of dabbling in team building. You know, people would bring me in. And it wasn't until the agency that I co-founded when me and my business partner split seas and I was at like sort of like a big sort of intersection of what do I do? <laughs> what do I do? I decided to double down on this and, and focus on team training. So that naturally led me into the HR space, into the training and development space. And that's where I learned about CultureAmp, which is a pretty rad software for uh, measuring team engagement. And they have like a really cool community called Culture First, where it's all about, you know, people that care about culture and, you know, wanting to be culture advocates. When you think about culture, it's not just like, oh, the ping pong tables and the happy hours. It's how can you create a space where people can bring their authentic self to work every day? Because if you think about it, we are at work. I forgot what the, like, it's probably higher now because, you know, we have these devices that allow us to be on 24-7. But we spend most of our waking hours in life at work. We should enjoy it because it's, you know, it's not like how it was before where at least you got a pension. So you just had to last, you know, 20 years and then you could just be out. That's not the case anymore. And again, just like how times have changed with our view on race, as far as culture at work, that has changed too. And, you know, you shouldn't have to wear this mask where you bring one version to work and then you take that mask off and there's a different version at home. And so I've been a big advocate for that. And the work that I do is all about training. So having uncomfortable conversations, teaching people about communication, confidence, all of the I call them essential tools, not just soft skills. These are essential for success in the workplace. But the difference is I use applied improvisation and play as a training tool so that not only do you learn what it's like to deal with an a-hole at work, but you've actually played a game where you like felt what it was like to have someone say one thing to you and then completely do something else and then have a discussion. How did that feel? Oh, well, wow, what else could we do? And so that's what I do. And, you know, I was saying up until March, I was like, yay, business is growing. And then pandemic hit. Yeah. And then no one was doing events. And I fortunate, you know, I do have my sort of marketing sort of technical background. And I was one of the, you know, not one of the first people, but like I quickly adapted to life on Zoom. And I started playing around with not how can we recreate, but how can we reimagine these experiences in a virtual environment? And then everything happened with, you know, the death of George Floyd and, and all of these things came to light. And so now I find myself leading discussions on diversity, equity, and inclusion. Now, I am nowhere near an expert in that. However, as a facilitator, I am really good at creating a safe space where people can have conversations. So that's me in a nutshell. That's awesome. And so if people want to get involved, so you basically you're starting a, like a local chapter. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Culture, Culture First. First. Yeah, San Diego. So if you go to, I believe it's culturefirst.cultureamp.com 
or culturefirst.com, there's a San Diego chapter that I am a lead. I'm a local lead with Culture First. And it's really cool because it's just discussions around culture. So we had our first one for San Diego, you're right, two Thursdays ago. And it was it was a lot of fun. I have a co-lead, Emily Goodson. She's an amazing person. And she does this work as well, working with HR uh, leaders to help them in that space. And it's all volunteer. Uh, and we just bring incredible speakers on. Our next one's going to be in August. And that's what it's all about. And it's the cool thing is it's not just HR people that came to that. We had people that were in all kinds of different organizations, you know, and different roles too, because anybody can be a culture advocate. Right. Right. And that's what I said when we, when we broke off into our our groups. Yeah. And I just shared why I was there. They were all in HR and I wasn't. And I said, well, you know, I just figured the the more I want to learn and the more I know, the better I'll be. So yeah. So I'll make sure to get those links and I'll put them in the show notes. All right. So final questions. These ones are easy. What's the best way to find you? platform of choice or you can throw out your email or whatever yeah well my name is gary Ware, so you can find gary Ware pretty much on any platform g-a-r-y-w-a-r-e i'm on instagram i'm on linkedin i'm on twitter Uh, i primarily play in the instagram and linkedin sandbox the most my company name is breakthrough play shoot me an email i love to hear from you gary breakthroughplay.com that's what i'm all about awesome okay and if you could have a superpower in your job so if you could do absolutely anything, what would your superpower be? Any sort of superpower in my job. So my default answer used to be, because I love connecting with people. So like, but I feel like that's like my natural superpower is like, I, I, I love connecting people. I love helping people connect with other people. So that is something that I already have. But in light of like pandemic life, I would love to have the ability to just freeze time. Just like, boop, timeout, call a timeout for everything. So that I can like take a breather or maybe like get a little bit extra stuff done. I like I would love to have that ability. I love it. Yeah, that's a popular one. Freezing time, having unlimited time in a day, having another hour. Those are always uh, popular answers. Mine, I stand by my internet. And I think like we should, uh, you know, we should be chipped or something. Like we should just have all internet working perfectly all the time, everywhere. No issues. That is... <laughs> Yeah, That's not? fine. It's I recycle. I've been recycling it. I don't ask this question every time, but yeah, I, I, I want it. it and on something fun because you're all about play. Yep, yep, yep. All right, Gary. I really appreciate you uh, coming on and having this conversation with me. And I think it'll be useful for those who listen back. And this is just the first of a handful of special episodes, bonus content that we're doing this month in between seasons three and four of Making a Marketer. So. Thanks for being here. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you for having me on. Absolutely. All right, y'all. This has been episode 59 of Making a Marketer, and we will catch you next time.